This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. My name's James Manning. I'm the editor of Media Week. Joining me, Media Week contributor, Andrew Mercado. Hi, James. How are you? Good, good. We're, I'm, I'm glad we're both back in the same place uh, today as we record this. It's Logie Week. It's um, only a few sleeps to go till the Logie winners are announced. But there's one other big world event going on at the moment, um, the World Cup. Not quite as big as the Logies, but it's, you know, it's up there, isn't it? Uh, well, the World Cup that was going to be streaming on Optus, but has now reverted to SBS yes. after... Well, you know what? It's, a, that's, it's actually a really great thing for TV, isn't it? Free-to-air, terrestrial TV must be saying thank you because here's an event that was promised. You could sp- spend $15, get it all working on your phone, your laptop, whatever, and it didn't Work And so it's reverted back to SBS, who, by the way, probably I actually don't probably believe that any streaming version of it would be better than watching it in high definition on SBS. So I think it's actually a great win for free to air TV to remind people and a, and a big message to those sports broadcasters out there that might be thinking, oh, you know, we'll just ditch that middle player and try and go to the consumer themselves. Well, that's all very fine and good <laughs> until there's an internet streaming problem and you do not want to piss off sports fans. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a win-win for SBS, as you say, because they're the master rights holder. They sold some of those rights to Optus. Yeah. Now they've got them back, but I guess they don't have to give the money back. So, <laughs> you know, they get those games plus keep some of that Optus cash. From what I've read, it wasn't a lot of money that Optus paid, but it did help SBS, you know, meet their um, meet their rights bill, which yeah. um, otherwise they they would have found it hard um, to to keep those rights. Look, there's, but I think there's been a bit of a beat up over. I mean, it's not great for Optus, obviously, and there's obviously brand damage, but I think people get a bit carried away. I think once the World Cup's over, the Optus is, you know, look, I'm an Optus. Where I'm living at the moment, I'm in temporary digs and I've got um, NBN for the first time and supplied by Optus and that has been working fine. I get Fetch and the Optus Sport on Fetch has been fine, hasn't been hit by any of those problems. I think it's mainly been mobile issues for mobile devices, maybe some people in some areas for if they're watching on broadband via Fetch, but certainly not me. So it's been working okay. But I think, um, I think yeah, all this hype about, oh, could it be the end of Optus or whatever? No, I'd, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. I mean, um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. The finals start next week. The, I think the group of 16, where it's all sudden death matches through to the end. That hasn't been said yet if Optus will be giving those games to SBS. I've got a feeling they might, because they certainly don't need any hassles at all. I think it would be just smart to say, look, here we go. Every game through to the final will now be shared between Optus and SBS. I think that would be a great thing to do for them, even if they don't really need to do that. And I've just been reading that uh, two of the hosts working on SBS have had to defend themselves against trolling Mm. who are making fun of the fact that they're trying to get the pronunciations of the players right (laughs) in their particular pronunciation Mm. and of course those hosts have said listen les murray the great late great sporting host was a real stickler for pronunciation and they're trying to do things the way that he would have wanted to do it Mm. and i mean you know at the same time you've got free-to-air tv 
Freeview putting in a report saying, oh, no. we don't think that shows like Brooklyn 999 and Batman should be on SBS. It doesn't fit with their charter. And yet when they actually do something that fits with their charter, which is getting incredibly difficult pronunciations right, mm. they still get a kick. You know, in some ways they can't win, can they? Yeah. Look, I think these... Um the shows on SBS are usually there because Free to Air didn't want them. Correct. <laughs> what, what a whining little baby group they've turned out to be. Mm. You know, they're just coming across as, you know, it's not as if any of those shows they've listed are beating any of the commercial networks. No. So no. why have they even brought this up? It's just bad sportsmanship that's the way it looks to me yeah yeah I, I sort of do get it sometimes where they sort of worry about you know or does or does SBS really need a food channel and vice land and how big is this sort of dinosaur going to spread it's you know spread out or it's not a good analogy is it <laughs> dinosaur but it's growing it's yeah it's you know I think that maybe they should put a cap on how far they expand I don't know similarly with the ABC I, I don't quite get the spread of all the ABC channels especially all the offerings of kids TV there's just so many times and places you can watch their kids TV surely they could save some money by sort of pulling that back a little bit especially now they've got such a great streaming platform in iView yep. similarly with SBS SBS On Demand a lot of that programming could live there you would have thought well, I, you won't have a, uh, a complaint from me on pulling back channels. Mm. You know, I have recently converted to the view that there are now too many channels, that they now, everyone is spreading themselves too thin. ABC, SBS, all the commercial networks, all going for this multi-channel, and all they're doing is struggling to find content for those shows, mm. and that's ultimately what SBS has done they've, they've struggled and had to come up with concepts and, and, and do all that and yeah I just think that in the face of streaming now TV would be a lot smarter to stop saying we've got all these channels when I think most of the audience are going yeah we know that we've got 100 <laughs> channels but we still flip through them and there's nothing to watch I think that some of them should bite the bullet and say, we're going to stop offering so many channels. We're going to have less channels, but the content on it is going to be kick-ass. That's got to be, in my opinion, one of the ways to compete with streaming services. Yeah, and we say that after Channel 9 just revealed they've got a new channel launching. Oh, your well, your money is going to be like a finance channel. Oh, it's right. going to replace the old Sky News business. Right. So it'll be on free-to-air. It'll be on Nine Now. Right. Also, it'll be on the Foxtel platform. Um, look, I'm not sure how that's going to go. It's going to be a, a bit more generalist than the um, Sky News business was very focused on the market during the day and investment news and stuff like that. This will be a bit more about personal finance, yep. mortgages, investing for your retirement, stuff like that, um, renovating for profit, I'm guessing, things like that. So it, it could do okay. But, yeah, I think, look, the way... The model for free-to-air now is to have fewer channels but really supercharge them. Absolutely. Good, good stuff. Yep. Um, make it all available really simply and on-demand as well. Um, see how that goes. I'm hearing a lot of stories about Foxtel, what's going to happen there. People are talking about big cuts there to come. I think a lot of those channels will go. I, I think by the end of this year or early next year, Foxtel is going to be a very different proposition to what it is now. I'm a little bit worried about the drama 
on Foxtel because I know sport's going to be very high profile there. You've got Patrick Delaney, who still calls himself the CEO of Fox Sports, as well as the CEO of Foxtel. And you get it. Sports, yeah. sports, what people want to pay for. Some of those drama shows, well, they're great. They're just not getting those audiences. So it's, it's you know, like Picnic at Hanging Rock. I love that. But gee, those numbers were okay, but they certainly weren't brilliant. Well, we haven't really seen their streaming numbers, have we? No. Because they been, no. they made it all available to binge, and we know that that affects the total play. Sure. But it's interesting when you compare it to Mystery Road on the ABC, which they mm. did yep. make available to view, mm. and yet the figures kind of held up, didn't they, on they a did. Sunday night? Absolutely. Every Sunday night, those figures have remained solid, whereas Picnic did drop dramatically. Yeah. But you know, I think about those streaming figures, I always think, look, if they were really brilliant, they'd be telling us. I you suppose, know. yeah. You know, they, they'd want to boast about, like, Nine's boasting about Love Island's Correct. streaming figures. Ten boasts about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette streaming figures. You don't get much about um, the dramas that they put up on streaming. Very interesting that uh, Channel 10... And, and I've spoken about this before. They started airing double episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful to catch up with the US, okay. but then stopped three weeks short. And it was like, why have you done all that to still not be day and day? What they're doing from this weekend is they're going to make three ep- weeks of episodes available to binge all weekend. And from Monday, you'll be able to watch it on 10 play, day and date as the US. Mm-hmm. So 10 play is going to be day and date. Channel 10, 4.30pm is going to be three weeks behind. Now, that is obviously 10 Play desperately trying to get Bold and the Beautiful Tragics to try Mm. out that 10 Play site. It's an interesting strategy to try to drag a few people to there. It's not a tad confusing for viewers. I think it's actually incredibly confusing. I just think it should all be one thing. Mm. We're either three weeks everywhere. (laughs) To have two different versions airing in Australia, it's kind of dumb. I'd like to think that this is just... They're going to do it for a couple of months to try to drag some people onto the streaming service. But eventually, that... Television broadcast at 4.30pm has to go in day and day in America. Yeah, because I know, man, who knows what number of episodes you're watching when you watch your show, just yeah. the general viewer. I try and track them, but you lose count. And if you miss an episode, you want to go and watch it on catch-up, so then you've got to work out the number, and, and if they're three weeks, but oh, man, it's um, it's very confusing. Look, we mentioned before the Logies are on this week. Yeah. Um, very interesting time. Of course, we had that podcast with uh, Thomas... Uh, Thomas Woodgate a couple of weeks ago, yep. sort of that preview podcast. Look, if anybody wants to go and listen to that, it's probably a good idea to do it before the awards because there's some interesting stuff about all the nominees there. TV Week this week, first time ever, had six different covers, uh, a separate newsstand cover for each of the six Gold Logie nominees. I thought that was really interesting. I'm not sure. Have you got any thoughts about who might have been the best seller out of all of those? Um <laughs> Well, I, I think it's impossible to try and figure out who's the best seller because whatever store you go into, there's not six versions of TV Week for you to choose. There's, there was there's two only in one. I, I, I walk, I've been walking all around uh, the CBD and I'm just seeing, oh, there's Jessica Marais cover and all that. And I've been joking with Amanda Keller on the radio saying, oh, <laughs> I've got a one in six chance of finding your cover. Um, so, yeah, and I... <laughs> Yeah, unless you can get those six versions. This is something that the overseas magazines do, right? This yeah, is something that Entertainment absolutely. Weekly will do, for example. Yeah. And it'll be... If you're a Game of Thrones fan, you will go out of your way to collect all of those issues. I'm not quite sure that those 
fans of the Logies are going to want to collect all six covers of this magazine. But look, as a gimmick, nothing wrong with a gimmick to get people excited. Yeah, look, I think it's great. I'm a bit surprised they didn't have a, a mail order offer for the few tragics who did want to get all six yeah. so they could just go and buy it on the... Um, so I asked Thomas Woodgate about that and he, and he said, no, look, you've just got to hunt through your newsstands. I mean, Bauer, the publisher, have their own sort of... Um, subscription portal. I thought it might yeah. have been a good thing to have a package of TV weeks, I don't know, 20 bucks for the whole six or some some sort of deal for people who wanted to collect it or whatever. And Tracy Grimshaw was in my local, so I, yep. I got her cover. I was lucky enough to speak to Tracy um, on um, Monday morning uh, this week, and that's been published on uh, mediaweek.com.au. She talked to she sort of joked, oh, my head is spinning, you know, this week because she's in a very unusual position. She's not really a self-promoter. And she's got to sort of get out there this week and talk it up a little bit and, you know, encourage people to vote and take some interest in the Logies. And she didn't even know she had a dedicated cover of... I said, Tracy, you've got your own cover of TV Week. And she said, no, surely it's all six of us together. I said, no, 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 there's six separate covers, so you've got your own. And then she said, that's it. I can quit now. I can retire. I've achieved everything. Uh, I, one thing I really noticed is that obviously Andrew Winters has been photoshopped into these, this group shop that was done Correct. with nominations because yeah. he was unwell with Bell Palsy. Um, I've gone through it. I did um, kind of gasp a little bit when I got to hearing Grant Denyer's wife describe him as one of the last true entertainers in this industry. Come on, Chessie. <laughs> After he wins the gold logie, you might be able to say that. But, you know, I suppose that's uh, that, that's what, what a wife would say about a husband. But I thought that was... Well, you say he's a true entertainer. I don't know about the last. I oh, know, exactly. He's not one of the last. Yeah. The, the, the thing that's made me laugh the most, though, is that uh, <laughs> Amanda Keller's husband uh, says, we're very proud of her. She has so much good-natured energy. Even at home, she's exactly as she is on the telly. Although we're getting a bit sick of her introducing us when she sits on the couch at home. <laughs> Oh, very good. Yeah, look, um, it's hard to know who... I mean, I guess the person who wins is going to be the person who'd perhaps sell the most copies. Um, but as you say, it's not as if you've got the choice of all those copies when you go to your to your retailer. No. Um, I guess my favourite cover is probably Jessica Murray, I guess, looked the, the most amazing. I mean, it's great to see Amanda Keller. I think, is that her second cover? She had another cover this year. For TV Week? I've got a feeling. This was the first time Tracy's ever had it. TV Week cover. Wow. I've got a feeling Amanda might have had one before. She might have. Yeah, that well, does I'm, ring a bell with me. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. So it'd be fascinating to see what happens on um, Sunday night and when the votes um, get counted. Look, we've um, they've also got a souvenir edition out. Um, yes. Of Logies. It's it's 10 bucks. It's not yep. cheap, but it's I, I think it's probably a good value. I mean, I've, I've bookmarked a couple of pages here I wanted to talk about. My favourite one was the top ten Logie winners. So this yeah. is all the shows who've won the most Logies. Yeah. Probably no surprise that Home and Away ranks number one. Yes. With 45. That's a lot, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's yeah. a lot. You know, but it's a big cast. It's 30 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've done... And it's right on the money for the demo that um, by TV Week. But in Melbourne tonight, it was probably a little bit of a shock. It's actually won 43. Amazing. For a program that was on for a relatively limited... Uh, time scale yeah. uh, in the, the the 60s, probably for a decade that was on, I guess. I think it was 
19, was it late 50s even it might well, it have started? It started in 1957, so there wasn't a lot of competition back then either. Okay, and then it, know, I think it ran to about 69, 70 and the famous Crow Call. Yeah, yeah. In the early 70s sort of ended that. But 43 Logies, oh, that's amazing. They weren't all won by Graham Kennedy either. They, they were shared around um, quite a few people on that show. Uh, who else is up? Hey, hey, it's Saturday, 34. Yeah. Ranks number three. Well, what Logie viewer who's been watching all that time can, you know, it's, it's always a gag amongst us, that shocked look on Daryl Summers' face every time he won, you know. Oh, my God, really? Is it me? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, hey, hey, it's Saturday's in there. Yeah, number three, uh, Mike Walsh show, number four, 31 Logies. Yeah. Uh, I think Mike nearly did win all of those single-handedly, or Simon Gallagher won a, a most popular new talent. Jeannie Little actually won a gold Logie. Pretty amazing when you consider, too, that that was a daytime show, James. Absolutely, yep, yep. They did try briefly a yeah, prime did. time one, but I don't yeah, think it went for long. It was it? the end of it, remember? Really? Okay, was it? I... Mike moved to prime time right. to do the Mike Walsh show. Yes. Ray Martin took over the daytime slot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Didn't work. And I distinctly remember that last night of the Mike Walsh show on Channel 9 and he was not a happy camper. And I remember him making some really nasty jibe about, oh, they're probably going to replace us with cricket. You know, (laughs) know, it was was a primetime experiment that didn't work and Mike left uh, pretty pissed off. And, you know, he took all the rights to the show. He owned the rights to all those shows. And years and years later, when it came time for the retrospective special, it aired on Channel 7. It didn't air on Channel 9. So Mike holds a grudge there, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Rounding out the top five neighbours with 31 Logies. Um, something else I wanted to have a look. Some of the sort of superstars that, that sort of won a Logie very early in their careers. There's some yeah. interesting interesting things here. Tam and Sursock, of course, from... Um, Home and Away, who's gone on to have a, a pretty good screen career. Chris Hemsworth. Of course. Of course, from the famous Hemsworth clan. Uh, Melissa George. Yeah. Um, Jason and Kylie, of course, who we, we know about then. Daniel um, McPherson, who I remember very well. 1999 was the first year I was working for Channel Channel V okay. as an on-air reporter, and the yep. first thing I ever did was go to the Logies. <laughs> so I distinctly remember him winning that Best New Talent, you know. Quite long hair back in those days, <laughs> yeah. too, he did. Um Simon Baker, Delta, um, Georgie Parker, Luke Mitchell. So it's uh, pretty interesting there. Now, the final other thing I wanted to... Um, well, a couple, two, two last things. Some of the hosts of the Logies. Um, Don Lane, yeah. Daryl Summers. Bird, of course, did it for a long time. Steve Weizard, Um I've forgotten this one. Noni Hazelhurst and Andrew Daddo yeah. did it together in, um, in 95. Eddie Maguire did it in 2003. Um, Mark Mitchell and John Travolta, which was an, an interesting double. Um, and in 2005, I remember this, the three-way between that, yeah. Andrew O'Keefe, Eddie Maguire and Rove McManus. Yep. And they've got a shot from a here. Boy, don't they look young. Yeah, do they? Yeah, look at Rove with that hair. So um, interesting stuff there. Of course, Andrew Denton in 99, his famous sort of, he went up to uh, James Packer's table. I don't know. <laughs> Sat on his knee. Yeah, I don't think Packer's ever been back to the, um, <laughs> the Logies ever since. And the, the sort of, and this is almost worth the price of the special. I agree. As this gallery of all these old covers. Of, because um, if you remember back in the day, the Logies were, it would air on a Friday night and they would, 
announced the gold Logie winner by pulling the magazine out of a paper bag and you'd see who was on the cover of the magazine and then it was on the shelf the following Monday. That's how they used to do it. Yeah, that was back in the days. It was Southdown Press, I think. Yeah. And they was usually, it was then held in Melbourne, I think. Um, yeah, and they, and they did. It was a Friday night and the magazine would be on the stands on the Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some just some great covers there. It's just fantastic that uh, that that um, little gallery there. I asked um, Thomas Woodgate about um, how much of an archive have they had, and he said they've got every issue. They yeah. can go right back and yeah. look at anything. So and they've they've pulled on a lot of it there for for that um, for that special. So that's good. So they, so just reminded it's every week. Out before the Logies, it's their special sort of gold nominees issue. Yeah. Uh, six covers, interviews with all the nominees. There's the TV Week, sixty years of Logies, ten bucks. That's probably uh, worth your money too. Look, let's move on to some other things. Now, what's going on with Ryan Murphy's um, pose? We've talked about this before, I think. This is a show that was listed in Foxtel. It was listed in all the TV guides. It was going to start. Um, And then I saw someone on Twitter saying, when is this going to air in Australia? I said, it's airing on Sunday on Showcase, according to all my guides. And in the end, I had to tweet Foxtel, and they said, oh, look, no, sorry, it's uh, TBA. They were very quick. They responded Mm. to me straight away. Mm. Um, So for some reason, they've pulled it, uh, and it's still to come. This is a show kind of set around that kind of New York 1980s uh, Vogue and transgender dressing up for dance contests and drag queen dance-offs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, A show with the the biggest ever transgender cast and crew in the history of TV. Didn't really rate when it aired on FX. Maybe those really low ratings scared Foxtel. Like it was under a million. I think it was 650,000 for episode one. That's not good. But, uh, you know, the people I know who are illegally downloading it and watching it say it's fantastic like a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff but I think Foxtel's never really been concerned about ratings for some of those specialist shows have they I mean you know if there's I remember Mad Men never got big audiences no it was just always quite tiny it'd never appear in the the top ratings sometimes it'd be lucky to make the top 100 programs and that was and at the time it was almost considered the hottest show on TV that's right but it just wasn't picking um, picking up big audiences it's the prestige. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A um, couple of other now. I know you're still a big fan of Back in Time for Dinner, the Annabelle Crab series. We must be nearly up to the 2000s. What are we up to? We're up to the 90s. Okay. And then I think they, I don't know whether they do the 2000s, but I know that there's an episode where they try and predict into the future. Oh, okay. uh, and I think it's a delightful show. There is something funny going on with iView, though. You know, because when it airs on a Tuesday night... I've seen it on iView, that episode, and then it disappears because people say to me, well, it's not there to watch. And then I think they take it off getting ready for a Sunday night 6pm repeat. And then that is, and then it seems to pop back on iView. I'm also hearing this is going on with Foxtel. They're playing silly buggers with Arrested (laughs) Development uh, on Foxtel now. You go on there and they put the first four episodes online for you to binge 
And then when you go to look at it now, there's episode six, but nobody can find episode five to watch online. So, okay, all of those people need to get their shit together on that. You know, if audiences go streaming looking for something to watch in sequence, don't play silly games. Don't take stuff down in the hope that maybe you might watch a repeat online. If you're going to binge, binge and put it all there and keep it up to date. Now, I know you have Fetch, don't you? Yes. Do you, do you look at iView on Fetch? Yeah. Mm, it's oh, not, it's not, is that what's happening? Yeah, it's a different... Look, I don't know when somebody might get in touch on socials and tell us that they're better. It's not the full eye view, I don't think. Well, so, but it's, somebody else has said to me, somebody who's trying to watch back in time says to me, it's not there. It says to on, me between the Tuesday and the Sunday night repeat, I'm trying to find it on iView, it's not there. And well, I don't think that person's got, got fetch. All right, OK, but I've looked for dramas that aren't there when you go to click on that show. But then if you go and search for it, right. it will come up. Right, So okay. it's definitely a different experience looking at iView on Fetch as it is to go into the native iView app on a mobile device. Well, but in terms of the Foxtel now, where because I watch Foxtel online now, okay. that Arrested Development thing, there is yeah, something yeah, going on there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and America's Next Top Model, <laughs> season 24. It's yeah. been going for ages, this thing. Tyra Banks is back as the host. I think Rita Ora did a series. Yeah. Then Tyra came back. Now, it's been on Fox 8, is that right? It's always been on Fox 8. I think they've always kept it there because it kind of, you know, if they get, they're going to do another series of Australia's Next Top Model, they want to keep the franchise mm. close to mm. home. But it's very interesting. I've read that there's uh, it's not age-restricted anymore okay. and that this 24th season of America's Top Model is going to feature a 42-year-old grandmother as uh, part of the mix. So I wonder, well, Australia's Next Top Model, are we going to have a contestant older than Jennifer Hawkins in the mix? Erin mm. Green was that lady's name in the States, I think, and it's shown on VH1, I think. Yeah, yeah. Over, in it the is US. too. Is it is right? too, yeah. Um, look, Australia's Next Top Model, I've got, I've got my doubts. I think a lot of those Aussie dramas on Fox, Aussie productions on Foxtel are going to be I'm just worried about their future, you know. Um, and yet that's a show that skews so young. Mm. I would imagine execs at Foxtel would be saying, we have to keep something like that because this might be one of the only ways to get the kids on board what else have they got that sort of appeals to those sure. little selfie instagrammers australia's next top model still plays perfectly to that age group yeah yeah um why has fran drescher been all over the media lately she hasn't got a book out has she or uh, what's happening she's dropping hints <laughs> And I guess people are assuming with all of these 90s sitcoms being revived, she seems to be, you know, teasing the fact that maybe the nanny's going to return or get a reboot. I mean, if you're going to do it, it has to be her, right? Mm. You couldn't not do it with her or couldn't do it with a new cast, could you? Yeah. Well, I suppose you could, she but, you know. Yeah, she must be. I As guess. we all are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look, I've seen so many of those episodes. I just don't know if I'm ready for more nanny. I mean, there's obviously generations who might appreciate it. But I remember, yeah. remember the time my kids were just obsessed by that show. It was on all the time. Sure was. It was like Seinfeld. You know, Seinfeld just seemed to be on all the time. Yeah. And you'd see episodes multiple times. And you'd still enjoy it. But yeah. But, you know, the nanny was always on. And it was a... 
it wasn't as clever as Seinfeld. Obviously, wasn't. It was a bit more formulaic. It was a bit like a, a bit like one of those British sitcoms where the gays you could see them coming, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, it was slapstick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can see the jokes coming a mile off. But as long as Fran Drescher did it in that kind of nasally wine, it was yeah. still funny. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be talking about what's happening on Netflix. Look, I just haven't had time to get there lately. It's just wow. There's so much going on, and that. There's so much content there to, on Netflix. It's I would love to have a weekend to just delve into it all. Have you been watching anything on Netflix? I bet I'm halfway through that Hannah Gatsby comedy special oh, that okay. a lot of people have been talking about. It's been getting the most amazing reviews. So uh, I'm halfway through that. Um, I'm sort of halfway through The Staircase, okay. which came to me highly recommended. I'm kind of, I don't know whether I'm going to be able Is to finish it, actually. Yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre murder case. where Is it French? No, it's an American story and uh, the accused has had cameras following him for the last 15 years as he mounts this defence case. And, of course, now the claim's being levelled. How can you uh, follow someone like that and have uh, a clear picture on what's going out when you're so on one side uh, of the investigation? But, you know, I know some people that have become really obsessed with it and gone through it to the end. So I'm so accustomed, though, to... to sort of produce TV that gives you a conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> I get disappointed with those things if I stick with them and there's no resolution of the case one way or the other and I feel a bit cheated. But but, but that's real life though, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm used to sort of concocted dramas and, and things that are carefully manufactured and so maybe I just need to get over that. And, um, and then I think last weekend or the weekend before, the second series of Queer Eye dropped right. on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, they've really rushed that out. They haven't mm-hmm. waited a year. Mm-hmm. And that special they filmed in Yass, New yep. South Wales, okay. is up online and people are talking about that. So, um, as always, there's so much to watch there. Is that a regular episode or is that just some bonus content? It seems to be bonus content. I don't even know whether it goes for a full hour. I haven't had time to even look for it yet, but uh, a few people have told me they've watched it and it's cute. Seems a bit weird, isn't it, that you come to Yass and do some filming of all places? Well, it doesn't because that is a word that's being used there all the time. Instead of yes, it's yes. That's the gag. That's the gag and that's why they've gone to that town. It's all about that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Jack Irish is coming back. So they're actually calling this Jack Irish 2, but it's been around for a long time. I think there was a series of telly movies. Yep. Then there was the first season. Now this is the second season. Yes. But there had been a lot of them before this to be only at um, at season two. I, was, I talked, I got to see um, Ian Colley last week, one of the producers of the show. He's been uh, on the journey all the way with it and um, it was just fascinating hearing about it. I was trying to get out of him. How does he manage to get Guy Pearce to keep coming back? Because he's a massive movie star, of course. How do they afford him? And he sort of, he didn't really reveal too much, but he sort of implied to me, that look, Guy does out, or okay out of this. He's not really giving up money he could be earning in Hollywood. He still gets a pretty good earn out of this. Uh, I've seen a bit of that first episode. Have you watched any? I've, I've watched the first episode. Yeah. 
And, you know, no, I had someone no with me. No spoilers, all right. No spoilers. <laughs> but I had someone with me that had never watched it before. Uh-huh. And she watched it and she was blown away. Yeah. She said, wow, is that what that show's like? I've heard about it. I've never had time to watch it. She's like, I'm going to search that out and watch it all. She thought it was fantastic because, you know, there's just so many amazing actors. They just keep coming and coming and coming, don't they? Yeah. Yet Guy Pearce, Martin Dusseldorp, Aaron Peterson, Roy Billing, Terry Norris. And Daniel Cormack. Yeah. Shane Jacobson. What is it? Shane Jacobson. Oh, it, and it just never stops. Damien Garvey's still yeah. in there running yeah. the bar in Fitzroy, the old yeah. pub. Yeah. And, and do you know what? I, I thought the first episode was sensational. And I thought I think it's right up there with Mystery Road for yeah. Best Aussie Drama of the Year. I think it's, it's a brilliant thing. It looks like it's going to follow Mystery Road in that. It is. That's like yeah. that slot. Yeah. You know what? No drop in quality there at all. Two yeah. sensational Aussie dramas back to back there. Yeah, look, uh, fantastic stuff. And look and, and belt yourself in. Don't miss the start. There's, there's a real sort of... Um, you sit upright there in those first few minutes, something that happens, but it's uh, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the cast are just sensational. It's, yeah, it's, it's the Aussie drama. This The ABC seems really in a hot spot at the moment, don't they? They've got some great stuff they've commissioned, um, and I would expect this to do pretty well and get some um, pretty decent audiences. I had a, also had a bit of a chat to um, Ian Colley about what else, the um, rake, the fight, he said, well, he thinks it's the final series of Rake. But they always said, say that. I know, I know. <laughs> but he seems to think, look, really, he's a, he just seems to think he don't, they don't know how much more they can milk out of it, well, I think was how he put it. But he was interesting talking a little bit about that. Uh, we'll have that podcast up soon on um, mediaweek.com.au. A um, couple of other things. I wanted to mention Poldark, which yeah. is sort of... To me, it's crept back into the schedule with it, with very little publicity. But what fooled me is it's changed nights. Yes. It used to be Sunday nights, 8.30. And when I first saw it in the guide at 8.15 Saturdays, I'm thinking, well, this is a repeat to get us ready for the new season. But, oh, no, it was season four, and, and I missed the first couple of episodes because I just assumed they were repeats. And it, didn't, it got a bit of PR last weekend, but that was its second weekend on air. I've caught up with an iView, and gee whiz, it's just as good as it's ever been. It's fantastic stuff. Well, you know, Poldark was really well known in that first season for an episode where he stripped down to the waist to work in the fields, yeah. and, you know, all the women around the UK went crazy for Poldark. And, you know, the actor became really embarrassed by all of that and said, well, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. But here we go, <laughs> the first scene of yeah. season four, Out He Comes of the Ocean. That was the promo that ABC made. Yeah. So that slow-mo of him coming out. So they've just, they've just gone, what the hell? Take your shirt off, show them, do whatever we can, get people back on board. Yeah, there's quite a bit of shirts off, not just from um, Poldark, but a few of the other cast in those first couple of episodes. But, yeah, I, ju- I just find it really... I mean, look, it's... You can sort of sit back and you can almost have a drinking game for every time. There's funny the way the cast look and it's sort of it's it's overdone almost. It's all it's real melodrama, isn't it? But it's yeah. I, I just get sucked right into it and I just think it's great. And we're getting it like six days after yeah. it airs in the UK, which yeah. is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well done. I know it's one of your big things, isn't it? The other thing is a new season of The Affair, which I also love. Yeah. Um, have you watched it? I've watched part of the first app because right. I haven't got I'm watching on Foxtel now at the moment on a on an iPad so I haven't got a Foxtel connection 
Um, it looks pretty good. Uh, Dominic West, I love him. Ruth Wilson, uh, Dominic West plays Noah. Yep. I think he was a writer back when the season, when it very first started. He's sort of a teacher these days. And in season four, I think he's moved to the West Coast. Um, which is pretty interesting. He's in a high school, which is um, some really wild kids in his class he's trying to control. But it looks like it's going to be another fascinating season. Yeah, because it was always an East Coast yep. kind of Hampton-y like... one of its attractions, so yeah. I hope I don't miss that too much. Yeah, moving it to California, I don't know. Look, I, I lost track of it around season <laughs> two. I watched season one religiously right. when there were two viewpoints. Mm. Then it jumped to four viewpoints in season two. I just got confused. Yeah, yeah. and I, But I still... Still don't get it. Like the it's an hour episode, they split it into two thirty-minute halves that are the same story told from different viewpoints. That's a bit lost on me, but I still enjoy the show just as if it's normal. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't quite understand how all that works, but you don't need to because it yeah. still works on just a, a straight level without worrying about all that stuff. Wentworth season six. Now, is it about to start? Has it started? What? Where are we? Started last week. Episode two airing this week. I watched the first four episodes on a Foxtel media preview site, uh-huh. and I saw some fan reactions saying that the first episode was that it, <laughs> expecting something a bit more. Uh, well, hang in there, guys. Episode two, major shock in there. Then episode three, boom. Up the upping the ante. They're really. I kind of feel like this is the one show that's being made that can play out there in the rest of the world and compete with those really outrageous, over the top, in your face, gory, bloody, shocking dramas. Wentworth's the only one that really makes you gasp, mm. uh, and I think they know that. And uh, sometimes they're playing, sometimes they do something, and then you find the next episode that they've faked it a bit. Uh, But then other times they really go there, you know. And this is a show where they kill off their biggest characters and don't think twice about it. So nothing is ever what it seems on that show. Some new cast members, I think Leah Purcell and Susie Porter are both in this. How 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 are they um, handling the, the prison life? Leah Purcell at the moment is playing a fairly calm character. We haven't seen her sort of make a bid for top dog. The character she plays, Rita Connors, is famously known in Prisoner for being a, you know, a bit of a top dog contender there. So quite a different interpretation there. Mari Winter the character that Maggie Miller used to play in Prisoner. Again, Wentworth's flipped it around. Murray Winter was sort of famous for being one of those really real Aussie spy, dirty <laughs> spike like that and really down and dirty dog. Susie Porter's a lot more sophisticated. You know, she's a brothel runner and uh, a lot of the girls in the prisoner have worked for her and uh, they think she's a scary woman and um, she's kind of, uh, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think. Yeah, you could really, um, I could really believe Susie Porter in that role. She's, um, she's very good, isn't she, at, at anything she takes on. And Sigrid Thornton's still there too. Okay. And Sigrid Thornton stepped high up into a sociopath uh, mode there because the freak is still not there. The freak buried in the buried alive at the end of last season, not in the credits anymore. Okay. Is she dead or is she going to reappear at some point? But at the moment, that role of the craziest woman in the prison is being fulfilled by Sigrid Thornton. There hasn't. I've heard stories. This could be the last 
season. Have they even said that officially? Or have I mean, they said that officially? Hmm. I don't think they have. I but feel like they they it does were ring a bell, doesn't say it? that, but yeah. Um. Because, I mean, you, you would think they would like to keep it going. I mean, it's on screening in something like 140 different countries around yeah. the world, so there's a bit of a demand for it. But I, I'm hearing that this is going to be part of the, the Foxtel review of, you know, how they spend on content and they'll be really closely examining. So it wouldn't be a cheap uh, program, I guess, this, although the, presumably all those foreign sales help with the costs help Fremantle Media, you know, make it a bit more economically and it's in their interest to keep Foxtel commissioning it. A bit like, I guess, um, the money from Home and Away Neighbours helps keep them on here, especially Neighbours, which gee whiz, isn't really drawing massive audiences at the moment. On, um, it's on 11, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's home. You'd have to think, though, that it's a, it's a cheaper show to make for Foxtel than a place to call home, which we do know is finishing. They've said right. that this the next season's going to be the last, and that's a period drama and all that mm. on-location filming. Mm. I mean, ultimately, Wentworth shouldn't be that expensive show to make because it's all set within those sets of the yeah. prison. There's not a lot of outside no. uh, stuff going on there. It's just whether or not the writers think that they can keep that shock value mm. because it's up here all the time and mm. you've got to keep topping it with more and more outrageous moments. That's where I think they uh, fear they're facing burnout. Yes, yeah, okay. Um, Australian Survivor coming back on uh, 10 and they're going, as this one's called Champions versus Contenders. So it's a... It's a whole lot of um, Australian sports icons, if you like, people who've done very well. And they're going, now are they up against some regular folk? Regular folk up against sports stars. Sports stars, okay. And the sports stars, the ones that I know are, of course, Shane Gould, swimmer, um, who's, you know, not young these days. So that's going to be really interesting. Of course, Matt Rogers, uh, the only reason I know who Matt Rogers is is because he married Chloe Maxwell. <laughs> but, you know, now um, he, he used to be a rugby u- yep. rugby league player who switched Which, to Union yep, and all of that. And hopefully and, up on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still together, very happy. Yep. And uh, I've met him a few times. He's a really nice guy. Moana hmm. um, Hopes, one of them, a sort of uh, Aussie rules player for, I think, the uh, Collingwood women's team, if I've, I've got it right. She's a pretty big star down in Melbourne, so that, that's a good get too. Um, so if I guess there's two teams, how does it go when the tribes merge and stuff like that? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what will happen there. But. Is this based on some Americans? I know the American one brings back former... They do, don't they? They, they do a lot of that, sort of all-stars yeah, yeah. versions, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, there's, look, there's lots of... Um, fans out there who would know look we'll sort of wind this up soon um, i'm looking forward to sharp objects which is an hbo series coming to foxtel pretty soon as girl there's an aussie star called eliza scanlon who's got a, a pretty major role in it she's, she's co-starring alongside amy ammons amy adams yep. patricia patricia i'll get this right patricia clarkson right. who's one of my favorite actors anything she's in it just immediately lifts the bar she's fantastic but this girl was at um doing year 12 in a college in kirribilli here in sydney 2017 um was it 2016 anyway she just finished her um secondary schooling and here she is starring in this massive hbo series from the director of um, big little lies it's his next project 
Yeah, I mean, it's sitting there on my laptop to watch as it could be on yours. Fox yeah. Health sent the previews out for it yet. I just haven't got around to watching it yet. Yeah, yeah no, it should be good. Uh, eight episodes. I think it starts in, um, yeah, premieres July 8 at uh, 9 p.m. So but watch out for based that. On, is it based on some best selling novel? It is. It's The Girl Who Wrote Gone Girl. Right. Uh, Gillian Flynn. Okay, well, it's got to so, be. There's got to be some sort of audience interest in that then. All yeah. those sort of chick lit books are huge. Yeah. Every time they do them, it, it, it works. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think this will be massive. Although, mind you, it's on Foxtel. <laughs> It's on showcase. It'll be a boutique audience, but yeah. but you know it's it's strong enough. It must keep a lot of people subscribing. You know, I'm I'm sure these things um have have big uh, interest on on people who love their premium drama. Anything else you wanted to mention before we go? I'm very curious to see the start of a show on the ABC called Everyone's a Critic, which looks like it's kind of a goggle box set in art galleries and museums. Aussies? Aussie show. So they, they've got these kind of couples and families and three friends from the bush and all of that, and they put them in front, front of works of art and none of them know much about art. So you get, I think you're going to get that really interesting, the general public saying whether or not art's great or not but with that kind of goggle box element to it. And the, sure. the promo is quite funny. And I kind of look at the promo and I think, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Right, right. Okay, good stuff. Anything else? You, you, um, you no, happy with I that? I think that's it. There's not a lot of new stuff. But, of course, I know we're kicking into hide gear. I can see uh, Australian Ninja Warrior uh, back on the schedule to start yeah. soon. I know that Channel 7 uh, must have Dance Boss just around the corner. Oh, that's to me, that's a bit of a gamble, that show. Yeah. I mean, it could bomb big time or it could take off. I mean, Channel 9 have really got the rest of their year planned. They've got the Logies coming up Sunday night. They're just into Ninja Warrior for probably three Sundays. Then we're in the block, which will Correct. take you through till, um, towards the end of October, you know, and that's the year nearly done. Do you think we're going to get an announcement anytime soon from 10 about the, the whispers that they're sniffing out the Dancing with the Stars format? as a possibility to rejig. And really, we haven't heard any more from them about uh, TV Tonight's scoop that Dr Chris Brown and Julia Morris were going to host a Saturday night variety show. And I think that's a sensational idea. Those two have real comic chemistry between them. Don't put that in the too hard basket. Give it a go. Yeah, it would be good to get a, a major franchise on a Saturday night, yeah. wouldn't it, for those people who are... Flicking around, looking, they watch those old movies or stuff, or do a bit of catch up, I guess, from uh, during the week. Because I know Nine in particular uses that uh, Saturday night now to show a lot of their their big franchises in catch up, like things like The Voice, yeah, um, talking about your gen, things like that, which get a get another airing. But it'd be good to get some, you know, original content there. Yeah, well, you know, I I, I still go back to the remember back to those hey hey Saturday days where you know you always had it on in the background as you were getting ready to go out and of course we're past that stage now where we do go out but that doesn't mean that you, people don't want a bit of fun on a Saturday night sure. you know we kind of have abandoned it and thrown it over to repeats of family movies and you know franchises that you know do you reckon James that you know the new Jurassic World is in cinemas and coincidentally in the weeks leading up to it we get all those Jurassic Park movies I mean that's a deal being done, isn't it? <laughs> the film companies saying to those channels, you air these films 
as a lead-in to our new one hitting cinemas and we'll book a certain amount of advertising for the film. It's happening all the time. A big new film's coming out in cinemas and just by coincidence, all the films before it Screen on free to wear TV in the lead yeah, up well, to it. Yeah, it's obviously not coincidence, but I thought it'd read more the the um, networks trying to cash in on the release of the film. Maybe they never do that well. They, people don't flock to those movies just because there's a new one coming but you out. You can't tell me that the free to wear networks aren't saying to those film companies, well, yeah. like, "Hey, yeah. well, well, this would be a great. Don't you agree? This would be a great idea. Well, how can we make this work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's obviously some commercial yeah. sort of benefit there for them. Yeah, look, Andrew, look, great to uh, see you here in Sydney, mate. Um, Thank you. Have a great school holiday period up the coast, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you, James.